Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. And I'll ask for forgiveness for overrunning now before, rather than permission. <laughs> right, let's get on with uh, Peter. The challenge to live differently. I'm sorry, I couldn't find the revised slide you gave me, but there you go. Jesus wants us to live differently because we're followers of him. And he wants us to be real followers, not just people that pay lip service to some scripture or some religion. Do you want to remember those days at school? Happy days, weren't they? Well, for some of us, maybe. Do you remember those times in the playground when they were picking teams for football or hockey? And the one thing you didn't want to be was the last one to be chosen. That awful sinking feeling as everybody else gets chosen and you're kind of standing there and it's kind of like, oh, well, you can have him or her. And then looking at everybody else's face and feeling the pitiful looks. You see, to live (coughs) differently for Jesus is challenging. And the temptation is to keep our faith private. Keep the sacred from the secular and just keep it under your hat. (coughs) Keep it below the radar. Perhaps in the workplace or in the college or in the school, in the family. Just keep quiet. Don't stand out. Just be like everybody else. Get along with everybody. Don't be different. But Peter's writing to the Christians and he's saying, hey guys, you've got to be different. You've got to stand out. You've got to stick your head above the parapet. You've got to be seen to be followers of Jesus. To be like him. Now, Jesus was no shrinking violet, was he? Did he keep a low profile? Well, 2,000 years later, clearly not, because he's still changing lives. Now, you see, Peter knows what it is to uh, stick his head above the parapet, to stand out for Jesus. One day, he was walking to the temple, and they saw this man who was lame, and they kind of got him up on his feet and healed him in the name of Jesus. Well, they got arrested for that, and they were told very, very clearly that they were not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Otherwise, there would be trouble. And of course, being good Christian people, they just humbly walked away and slinked away into the shadows and just got on with stuff quietly, didn't they? Oh, no, 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 no. They were back in the temple. They're healing the sick. They're preaching the name of Jesus. And the Sadducees get very, very upset about this because they're preaching about the resurrection of the dead. And so they get arrested and they get thrown in prison. But during the night, an angel comes along and lets them out. And so in the morning, the soldiers go and get... No prisoners. Where are they? Well, there they are. 
they're in the temple. And they're talking about Jesus. So very politely, the captain of the guard says, would you mind coming with me? Because <laughs> they're a bit thrown out by this. And they take him to the council along with the other apostles. And the council really want to kill them. They want to get rid of these troublemakers. But a wise voice prevails and said, look, if this, isn't, if this isn't of God, it will just peter out like all the other things that have happened. But if it is of God, you'll find yourself actually opposing God himself. So they flogged them and let them go and said, don't you use the name of Jesus anymore. And it says in this scripture that they rejoiced, that they were considered worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. You see, if we live for Jesus, then we are going to bear some wounds. We're going to bear some suffering. We're going to have some rejection. We're going to have some criticism. We're going to have some ridicule. Do you count yourself worthy to suffer for Jesus? You see... If we face opposition and persecution, it should be a badge of honour. Do you wear a badge of honour saying, I am a Christian, and yeah, I've gone through some tough stuff because I've not always been accepted by people. You see, Peter reminds us that, um, oh, go the other way, that Jesus suffered physical pain. He suffered mental anguish. He experienced the deepest loneliness that can ever be experienced because he was separated from the Father on the cross. And Peter's reminding us that Jesus was obedient in his suffering, even to death on a cross. You see, Jesus knew the plan of the Father. He knew what was coming. He knew that he had to lay down his life. He knew he had to die for you and for me. He knew our sin needed to be punished. And he took that punishment upon himself. And he knew it was God's plan that he should die. And he knew that that plan required a price. And that price was the laying down of his life. Because we have rebelled against God. We don't walk in God's ways. We don't do the things that God wants us to do. We don't love the way he wants us to love. We are selfish. We are sinful people. And if God was going to be in a position to be able to forgive us for our sins, then somebody had to pay a price. And Jesus was the one. And Peter's question is saying, are you really ready to suffer? Would you embrace suffering the way that Jesus did? And he's basically saying, if you value your faith, then you will be prepared to wear this badge of honour. You'll be prepared to take the long view and say, well, I know where I'm going in eternity. I know what God has stored up for me. I know the joy that lies ahead. And therefore, this suffering is something that I will endure. And we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. We sung about that, didn't we, earlier? And he's saying to God, look, if you can take this cup of suffering away, that would be great. 
And we shouldn't go looking for suffering. We shouldn't be looking to be martyrs. We shouldn't look to be rejected. But if it's God's will and plan and purpose that through some measure of suffering we bring glory to him, then we're to embrace it. And Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. And he's... We shouldn't be like some Christians. Have you met them? Kind of the ones that just, you know, everything's suffering. You know, everything is a trial. Everything is a tribulation. The whole world's against me. Nobody's for me. Poor old me. That's not the kind of Christianity that Peter's talking about here. He's talking about the reality of our faith being being proven to be real. Because we see suffering through the lens of eternity. We see that Jesus knew that there was a joy beyond the suffering. And that joy sustained him through the hard times. And Peter is talking about those defining moments in our lives when we make choices that set the direction of our lives. Are we moving towards Jesus or are we moving away? Are we moving into a godly character or are we moving away? Every day, small choices. Started for me, you know, you go into a shop, you give them a £20 note and they give you back change. And you look at it and you think... Wow, they've given me too much. What do you do? It's a small decision, isn't it? Do you put it in your pocket and go, oh, that's good, isn't it? Or do you walk back in the shop and say, actually, I think you might have got this wrong. What do you do? What do you do when... Perhaps in the workplace, somebody new joins and they're a bit different to everybody else and, you know, they're finding it hard to make friends or to be accepted. Are you the one that walks across the office and says, Hi, my name's Chris, how do you do? It's good to see you working here. Let's go for get a cup of coffee. Let's have lunch together. Do you make those kinds of decisions? Do you stand up for the minorities? Do you stand up for those that need justice, for the oppressed, for the poor? Do you have compassion for those in need? As a church, one of our values is compassion. And we want to help those in need. We want to be a church that is known for reaching out into our community with help and support. So we've got Grow Baby. And how's that going? Going good? good. And sometimes we're called to pursue truth above convenience. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just convenient if we kind of let things slide, yeah? Well, it doesn't really matter about that. If I'm just a little bit on the old suspecty side, it's okay. But it's not, is it? You see, we have to live a lifestyle that puts us firmly in God's camp. Firmly with him. Got to move on. Life changes when we meet Jesus. 
when we see our need for forgiveness, when we experience the love he has for us, the lengths he went to save us, it does change everything. Our desires change. Our choices change. Slowly, gradually, sometimes dramatically, we change. You see, I worked in a transport industry before I became pastor of the church and all that kind of stuff. And we had lorry drivers, we had warehousemen, and we had mechanics and engineers looked after the vehicles. They're all nice, nice guys. But one of the things I didn't like was going over to the garage where you have a meeting with the guys and then there's all the girly kind of calendars and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're, yeah. Bit of a boys club. Swearing was the norm. And um, it was a very, very interesting environment to be in. I had somebody who worked with me and... He told me it took to say a small swear word. Mind you, having got that far, he did stop after that. Culture I worked in was one of drinking. We used to take the customer out, and the greatest thing was see who we could get hammered with the old drinking games. And being the sober one isn't always fun. Because you're the one that's picking up all the pieces and pouring people into taxis. Now, I wasn't teetotal, I just want to make that clear. I drank in moderation, but I was always the sensible one that um, kept things on track. And when you become a follower of Jesus, then, you know, if you've got friends, you may find they start treating you differently. They may be a bit sceptical. They may mock you. They may shun you. They may be dismissive of your faith. Well, you'll get over it. You'll grow out of it. But Peter says here, you know, if we take the long view, if we look into the future and we see that everybody has to stand before the living God and give account for their lives, then that gives you the strength and the vision to keep going, despite how others treat you. I came to Jesus while I was uh, working in Lloyd's of London, in the underwriting room. When I joined, there was one Christian on the box. His name was Keith, and he led me and another colleague to faith in Christ. And about, about the ten people that were in this firm, there were three Christians. But we were still known as the God Squad. And there were quite a few Christians around. So there was a lot of leg-pulling but no real animosity. I really didn't get that sense of being persecuted. And I guess we're fortunate, aren't we, in this country that we don't, um, we don't experience the physical, mental abuse. I don't know anybody in this country that's died for their faith. Maybe they have. But we're very, very fortunate and blessed, aren't we? Temptation, though, is that when we become Christians and our friends start to treat us differently, is that you kind of retreat into the Christian bubble, into Christian land, into the Christian world. And very, very soon, after a year or so, you find, do you have any non-Christian friends? You see, we're not called to live in a bubble. We're called, actually, perhaps, to stay in contact with them. 
to forgive them, to love them, to pray for them, to bless them, to spend time with them. Now, if they beat you up, maybe that's another matter, but you know what I mean? We should stay with them. Now, verse 6 here is a very interesting verse. Have you read it? Now, anybody understand what it means? Well, I've read different commentators, and they all have different views, and we could spend the whole sermon on this. Okay? However, we don't have time. So if you want to know more, see Simon. He's the font of all knowledge. I'm sure he'll be able to help you out. Oh, okay. Peter challenges to live differently. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when. But let me just ask you a question. If you got some inside knowledge, the inside scoop, and Jesus is coming back next Sunday, would you change anything in the way that you're living your life? Would there be some things that you would do? Would there be things you stopped doing? If the answer to that question is yes, then start changing today. Start by focusing on Christ. Start by focusing on spending time with him. Spend time in devotions with him. Spend time in prayer. Spend time walking with him, getting close to him. Cultivate an ongoing conversation with Jesus throughout the day. Take a few moments to refocus on Jesus, especially if you're finding it stressful or busy. And above all, love. Love, 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 and love again. God is love, and we are called to be like him. So be obedient to the new commandment that Jesus gave us, to love one another. And when we start, albeit imperfectly, loving one another, Peter says, you know what, that's going to cover a whole load of stuff that you do. Because the more that you try and walk in the way of God, the more you try and be like him, the more you want to love like him and show compassion like him, to forgive like him, the more God accepts you and says, yes, that's my son, that's my child. Ain't they doing good? Ain't they doing good? Right, I'm not going to get to the end of this. (laughs) Oh, this is the one. Oh. Now, you see, you should never have given me a passage which mentions gifts. Because it's one of my hobby horses. Do you know there's gifts for everybody? Who knows they're gifting? Come on. Who knows they're gifting? Put your hand up if you know that you're gifted and that God has given you a gift. Have we got any gift deniers in the house? Are you one of them? You know... God promised us the Holy Spirit to anybody that asked him. He will be poured out on us. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings gifts. And they're available to us. Some gifts become ministries. But all the gifts are available for us. Anytime, place, anywhere. The power of the kingdom is at our fingertips. Why do we have these gifts? Are they to make us look good? No? Oh, for goodness sake. So what have we been doing all these years? 
No, he gives us good gifts so that we can bless one another, so that we can build one another up, so we can encourage one another. Now, if you don't know what your gifts are, find somebody you trust and say to them, hey, what gifts do you think God has given me? And they'll begin to share with you. And then start using your gifts. Don't abuse your gifts. Don't do, don't do it to impress people. You see, I had this great sense that God was telling me that Simon and Keeley should empty their bank account and give it all to me. Because it's a prophetic word from God. <laughs> or perhaps somebody here has got a BMW. Who's got a BMW? I really feel like I could drive a nice BMW car. I just feel God saying prophetically to me that there's a nice BMW car out there for me. Maybe not. <laughs> or maybe, maybe I come to this conclusion, I need a private jet. Because I think I could spread the gospel better and further and farther with a private jet. Don't you think that's a great idea? Well, some preacher in America does. He's trying to convince his congregation to give money so that he can have a private jet. Because Jesus, Jesus would have a jet now, wouldn't he? He'd want to spread the gospel all over the world. So, of course, he'd have a private jet. Private jet. And Peter talks about how we should use our gifts, how we should use words to encourage other, to build people up. I had a dream once, and um, in this dream, David Haynes was preaching a sermon. And it was vivid, and it was clear. It was a very challenging sermon. And I woke up on, that was Saturday night, I woke up on Sunday morning, and we went to church, and David's preaching. And oh, blow me down if I haven't heard this preach before. He preached exactly the same sermon. And I was so challenged, because at that time, I was probably not walking in the best of ways with God. And God was saying, hey, wake up, Chris. And David used that amazing gift of preaching to bring me back. You see, if we preach, if we use our gifts, and how we use our gifts is a matter of the heart. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And we're called to be servant-hearted just like him. Servant-hearted people. We don't whinge. We don't moan. Servant-hearted people arrive first. They leave last. They do jobs that need doing without expectation or reward. They see a job, and if they can do it, they'll do it. I can remember somebody coming to me once and saying, the toilets are dirty. Oh, right. So I went in to the toilet and it was dirty. It took me all of two minutes to make it not dirty. And what was sad was, why didn't that person who saw it do it? I heard a story of a CEO. He was the CEO of a very fast food chain in America. And he met somebody for lunch in another fast food chain. In fact, he met, they met for lunch at McDonald's. And... Um, he went into the loo with this guy and they were still chatting away and he starts turning on the taps getting some, some towels and he starts cleaning the basins <laughs> and his friend said what are you doing he said well it's just the philosophy in our organisation if you see something you do it 
and he's cleaning the basins of his rival. Now, isn't that just amazing? You see, God has given you supernatural gifts. He gives you the energy. He gives you the strength needed. Never grow weary in serving. A great harvest could be one service gift away from you. Live with eternity in mind. Store up treasure in heaven by serving well with grace and with humility and with love. Peter gets quite excited at the end here, and I get quite excited, because it's all about passion. It's all about energy. It's all about joy. Are you serving joyfully? And if you get wounded for Christ, do you rejoice? Because that's who we're called to be. To bring glory to God and to Jesus Christ through the way we live our lives differently. Amen? Amen. Oh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside. <laughs>